Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Pass. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Thank you for listening. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having an awesome long weekend, hopefully, with lots of gaming. I'm trying to squeeze more gaming into mine. I'm scouring the Discord servers, looking for organized play. I'll take anything. Um, I don't have to go to back to work till Tuesday, so really trying to find something for uh, Monday. But since a lot of people here in the States have that day off, spending it with family, it's going to be, looks like it's going to be kind of tricky, but we'll see. But anyway, it's my Sunday podcast, so I'm talking about my Night Below campaign. We had a good one last night. It was a lot of fun. I'm running the second edition AD&D TSR Night Below campaign using first edition as the base uh, with uh, some simplifications where I use uh, BX for some other rules like initiative and stuff like that. So anyway, last campaign, uh, last session rather, um, was dominated by a lot of, you know, huge combats and this was complete opposite and it was great. Uh, we didn't roll a die, uh, the entire session except for to determine some random spells I, I rolled a couple times. Otherwise it was just solid role play, lots of humor and everything. And it was the perfect kind of uh, palate cleanser after the last session. Because if the party had gone straight back in and had had another onslaught, the last session they uh, had this huge encounter with, with these orcs that are holed up in this cavern. And it looks like, you know, they've got to kind of pass through that cavern to get where they want to be. And so anyway, they, they did great last session. I mean, they killed like 25 orcs and three cave lizards, but they, they know that there's still more in there. They don't know how many. And, uh, despite how well they did, they, they, they had a character death, uh, Ariel, the illusionist gnome got stomped by a cave lizard, uh, stomped hardcore. So the party had, uh, left the cavern area to camp. And, uh, like I said, if, if they had just gone straight back in there, um, uh, I don't know, it might've ended up feeling like a grind, you know what I mean? Just like lots, you know too much combat and to be honest with you it ended up great because i've been kind of starved for a little role play to be honest i uh you know the last session was what it was it was epic but it was uh you know combat dominated then i played in another kind of one-shot deal during the week where it was uh you know fun but it was very much like hack and slash and you know so it's good to kind of i like all the different aspects of, of role-playing games, including the role-playing. So being able to improvise and have some fun like that was, uh, was, was much, like I say, much needed. Um, so we'll kind of get into that. So anyway, the way the last session ended, they had camped for the night on the edge of these woods um, that where the entrance to the cavern is, uh, you know, deeper in the woods. The woods are still kind of dangerous so they they got to the edge of them before they set up camp and in the early morning hours they uh, rolled a random encounter and uh love random encounters gives the dm ample fuel to to improvise you don't know what you're going to get and you have to adjust on the fly and as it's a little more civilized or certainly less wild and dangerous in the woods i ended up you know rolling on different tables so came up with merchants and so I had to think, uh, 
what to do here. One of the things was, you know, there was going to be a new player character. The uh, player that plays Ariel had, had rolled up another, um, instead of illusionist, a magic user, uh, half-elf magic user um, named uh, Lanix. <coughs> In fact, let me double-check that because I only played with a new character one time, so pretty positive it's, yeah, Lanix. Half-elf magic user. And so the the way I'll bring a new magic user in, just to talk a little bit about my house rules or whatever, um, I'd, I always give read magic for free. I hate the idea of, I've always hated just, you know, you got to prepare an extra spell to cast a spell from a scroll. I can't stand that. So I just make read magic automatic. Um, and, and then I also like the idea of the magic users kind of having a magic kind of spidey sense. So I'll allow detect magic as just like uh, an ability, you know, they could cast it from a prepared slot if they wanted to, but they also can detect magic once a day, just completely slot free. And like I say, I like that idea of like a magic user just kind of being in tune with magic and being able to kind of sense it, but I don't want it to make it an at-will automatic thing because then, you know, you have people detecting magic on every door or whatever, and it ends up, uh, that's kind of how it is on uh, Pathfinder and other games where detect magic becomes a, uh, you know, zero-level cantrip kind of thing. So anyway, uh, also bringing the magic user in at third level, I I'll, I'll let them uh, pick a first-level spell and a second-level spell, and then I rolled some random spells for them and it actually ended up in their favor too because ariel was carrying a magic user scroll so naturally the party not having a magic user anymore had no problem giving that over to um lanix so lanix was off to a, you know a reasonable start as far as um, starting spells and everything went but anyway i needed to bring that character in so i decided well we'll have the magic user traveling with a merchant and as they were at the edge of the forest, kind of in the middle of nowhere, my mind immediately was like, okay, well, I'll have it just be this merchant that had gotten lost. You know, maybe their cart broke down or something. And I just kind of on the fly decided to make it this really dandy, kind of foppish um, merchant named Garlsbad, who's just completely out of his element in the, in the freezing, you know, it's winter now, the freezing rain you know, wearing these really extravagant silks and everything that have all been torn up and these uh, shoes with a little turn, you know, curved up, curved toe deal going upwards. They're just completely soaked through and not, you know, not made to be worn outside. And so it's the, in the morning, they, they, the party as they're kind of getting done with camping, Garl's bad comes stumbling in. Oh, thank God. Thank heavens. And immediately uh, gravitates towards Father Marcos, the priest. You know, oh, a man of the cloth. Oh, thank the gods. Oh, it's been so horrible that my terrible magic user got me lost. You know, he's throwing the magic user under the bus, uh, Lanox. Oh, I can't believe I hired him. You know, he he doesn't know directions. He's the worst magic user ever. Oh, thank goodness. Thank the gods for a man of the cloth. Oh, have mercy. You have to get me back to town. So they're like 12, 12 miles outside of the little town of, uh, not even a town, Podunk, Thorpe of Thurmaster. And this Garlsbad just immediately starts grating on everyone's nerves. And I really play it up like, 
it's like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, you know, there's Puck, the this kind of surly dwarven thief. And uh, I have Garlsbad just toss the bag at, at Puck and say, oh, you have a little bearded boy. Oh, great. Here, grab my bag, bearded boy. You can carry it back to town. Thank you. Because I, I, I'm pretend, you know, improvising that Garlsbad's never seen a dwarf, you know, and just calling him like a little bearded boy. <laughs> Puck will hate it. And so Puck immediately starts just rifling through Garlsbad's bag and it's, you know, nothing in prepare, preparation for any kind of serious trip or anything. It's all just like silks and scarves and other little shoes and stuff. And so there's some interaction there where Father Marcos just indicates, well, okay, well, we'll need some tithes, you know, to, to take you to town. And uh, Garlsbad tries to kind of weasel his way out of it, but pretty soon realizes that he's going to have to give something up and, and they, the party just says, well, we'll take this and they're going to take his bag from him and he's in no position to argue. So eventually, um, you know, they tell him, you know, Puck's a dwarf. He's not, you know, he's not a little bearded boy. And he goes, Oh, I've never seen a dwarf before. I, I, I know nothing about dwarves. I'm so sorry, little man. Oh, you're just a tiny man. Then I get it. A tiny bearded man. You're not a boy. And so Puck just slaps him across the face. He goes, oh, what's that for? And, he, and uh, Puck tells him that's how you know dwarves say hello. So so uh, Garlsbad goes, oh, fantastic, and then slaps Puck across the face. Like, hello, dwarf. Hello, little boy. You know, hello, little man. And so, and then, uh, you know, Puck, like, punches him in the stomach. And he's like, oh, I'm so tired of dwarven hellos. This is... This is so tiring. I'm so glad I'm not a dwarf, but that's enough. Hello, hello. Anyway, it was a lot of, it was fun and it, it was getting ridiculous and, and everybody, you know, was kind of getting into it. So it was fun. And we, they decided to take him back to Thurmaster and, uh, you know, Thurmaster, like I say, is a total dump. There's only one, um, in Tavern in there and it's just this hellhole where the food will make you sick all they serve is this really fatty mutton pie that will make literally make you sick you have to roll to see if you get sick or not uh the party had it you know encountered that before and then all the beds are you know flea and bed bug ridden and it's just a uh, horrible and so girls bad as they're walking it's like oh i can't wait for a, a delicious meal and oh to sleep in just a a sweet um soft bed i can hardly wait so they're already kind of you know planning on it, looking forward to getting him in the inn and, and everything it's kind of vengeance for his uh his attitude so um when they get back to town the first thing Garlsbad does is goes into the you know goes into the inn with them and it's like oh Oh, fantastic barkeep. Uh, you know, there's like a couple of drunk fishermen in there and just the barkeep that I'm picturing like blazing saddles. He's like spitting in the, in the glasses to wash them, you know, spits in them to wipe them out. It's like, Oh, bring, uh, bring some ales for, for my friends and I'll have your, you know, your finest meal. And he's like, well, we got the mutton pie. That's all we got here. It's like, Oh, that's, uh, that sounds delicious. I'll have a big slice of mutton pie and, and your finest room. 
and they're all you know laughing with anticipation of him him uh having to eat the mutton pie so he explains to them that you know he needs to he's there for for business you know trying to sell his scarves and you know just obviously a terrible businessman because the, the whole area is kind of impoverished and 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 you know farmers or miners and you know no one's there to really buy fine silk scarves or any of the stuff like that and um anyway he 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 eats the mutton pie and it's not too long it's like oh and my useless magic user he, he's useless so i y'all can help me for sure and uh, i'd love the uh, and oh whoa you know he starts getting sick and before you know it he's 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 uh vomiting he's on the ground contorting with stomach pains he's running to the spittoon and pulling his pants down to relieve himself and um, so he's just in agony. So, uh, Puck says that it'll take him up to, he says, Oh, little the Garlsbad says to Puck, Oh, bearded boy. I mean, um, I mean, be, small bearded man, tiny man, please help me to my room. Please take me to my room. And so Puck says, oh, okay. And so Puck just kind of drags him up the stairs to the room, you know, <laughs> like head basically bouncing on the the uh, boards and so when um actually there was another role because when puck tucks him in puck decides to pick his pocket and makes a successful role so now the little pouch all that the girls bad had left has been stolen so girls bad comes back down splits up the money gives a little extra to lanix the magic user for having to deal with him and uh, they decide just to leave girls bad there and go to Towster, the mage. Um, Towster is like one of the kind of main major NPCs in the campaign that can help the players out a little bit, uh, but is really old and um, doesn't really travel or adventure anymore. And uh, his main kind of role in the story is that he was the, um, the a, a missing uh, mage, Jeleneth, was his um, apprentice. So... The characters, original characters, met Towster really early on. The whole way the campaign starts is they're taking some supplies to him. But the others have met him now, too, except for Lanix. So they go to Towster's. Meet up with uh, Towster. He's happy to see them. And Towster, of course, is hard of hearing. I don't know. I've got this thing with for hard of hearing old wizards. <laughs> this is funny to me. And uh, so as he's meeting Lanix and everything... Um, He's like, oh, well, a new adventurer. Oh, what, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm Lanix. I'm, a, you know, I've, uh, tells him a little about, bit about himself. He's like, well, I'm so happy to meet you, Spandex. You know, it's, it's called, instead of Lanix, he's calling Lanix Spandex. That's his name for him. Um, so, uh, here, Spandex, wait a minute, wait a moment. And I have Towster uh, rifle through his, you know, seemingly endless reams of paper and everything and, and give a couple of, uh, uh, spells, spell scrolls to Lanix. And one of the spells is really good. And it was one that I wasn't super familiar with. Uh, Rary's Mnemonic Enhancer. It's a fourth level spell from, uh, AD&D. It might've been an OD&D too. It's just like I say, I wasn't really familiar with it part of it because i haven't had a ton of higher level mages and then may it's just not one of the ones i guess the first ones picked but this is a great spell um 
basically allows you to prepare an additional three levels of spells for the day by casting it. And so, you know, three first levels or a second and a first or an extra third. Great spell to put in, you know, it might not be the best fourth level spell if you're of that level to cast them every day or whatever. But as far as a, you know, I just usually just, just do random treasure unless it's something in the module, you know, they can get that too, you know. But um, this is one that I could see, uh, you know, putting in a random treasure hoard for lower level magic users or whatever, because it'll allow them, you know, being fourth level, a fourth level scroll, they're probably not going to say, oh, let me just wait five levels and then I'll put it in my spell book. You know, they'll probably end up using the scroll. And it just really gives them that, you know, a day where they're going to have a bunch of extra spells. So if they're going on a long journey or they're going on this huge dungeon delve, being able to cast sleep three more times, or it's a, it's a, it's a significant power boost, but it's also the kind of thing being a scroll that just goes away. So yeah, I could definitely see this being one that I would throw into a low level adventure or something like that, where it, uh, um, you know, just be really beneficial to the wizard or really nice uh, scroll for them to find. But anyway, I, I love that spell. And um, so that that's one um, that, you know, that's one of the ones he got. I think he had a scroll of old person too. Um, I rolled, just rolled them randomly, like I say. So he's like, here you go, here you go, spandex. So the party needs to decide what to do with Ariel's corpse. You know, they've been dragging around this corpse, basically headless corpse, gnome corpse with them. And Towster suggests they go to uh, the nearby Palfrey Keep to have a burial. And there's some question as to whether Lord Palfrey would allow that. But Towster assures them that uh, he probably would, you know, given the sacrifice and everything, fighting the evil in the area. Towster also mentions that some of the word around town is that there's supposed to be some merchant coming into town um, that's kind of talking himself up of, uh, about uh, me having a meeting with Lord Palfrey and all this. And the party realizes that's Garlsbad, the, you know, the, the guy that they've basically robbed and, and allowed, you know, not raised a hand to stop him from poisoning himself and then left him in a, you know, a, a bed, you know, a room full of a nest of bugs, basically. <laughs> So uh, they're like, oh, uh-oh. Uh, the party's also already, uh, you know, decided to sell all his clothes for what money they can get, so even give a little bit away. So there's like, you know, street urchins running around with, you know, fine scarves on and, you know, whatever. Picture just some, you know, old hunchback, you know, old woman walking around with some really fine dress or whatever. So like, oh, and, and immediately Puck's like, well, let's think about this. You know, we we can play the long con with him. We take him to Paul Freeze. We see what the deal's going to be set up. And we can maybe, uh, you know, take even more from Carlsbad. Because, look, Carlsbad was a complete and total ass. And uh, he was, especially to, to, to Puck. So um, even the, the priest has no problem, you know, if he can construe it in his mind to be tithes for the church, he has no problem taking more advantage of him too. So by this time, uh, Cass had been running late. The fighter, she's joined up, get her caught back up. And so uh, after this quick break, I'll get to the, what happened the next morning. They ended up sleeping at Towsters and let Carlsbad you know, sleep at the inn. And we'll get back to what happened next after this brief message. And now a word from our sponsors. 
All right, so we're back. So yeah, before I go any further, I wanted to mention, you know, all this was just random improvisation just based on a a die roll. And I love that. I I love uh, the improv nature of it and just rolling with it. And it was making me think about, you know, GM advice and everything. And, and I don't, I don't want to be too critical of it. You know, there are all these, you know, it's like a cottage industry of GM advice books out there, you know, one to 300 pages of how to run a game and be a better GM and all this kind of stuff. And I always feel like, you know, experience is the best teacher, you know, just about anything. So my best advice is just to run games, jump in, don't think about it too much. Jump in, don't overprepare and, you know, learn, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have good sessions and bad sessions. Just try to learn from it. You know, experience is definitely the best teacher. And, uh, so you quickly learn certain things about, uh, uh you know, that, that help you become better. But one of the things that I, um, was reminded of last night and that, that I think is good to state is that, you never should be in a hurry as a GM, you know, you never should be looking at, okay, this is what the party needs to do next, or this is what I think they're going to do. And, you know, so this has to happen. We have to tie this up. This is where they're going to go tonight. None of that, you know, let the game come to you. It's going to be more, a lot richer experience, you know? So, uh, not being in a hurry, certainly never trying to really steer the party. I mean, throw some stuff at them, some options, you know, put the hooks and things out there, but, um, never feel like you have to press on into, um, uh, a certain plot or, or something like that. At least, I mean, you know, if you're, I'm running a module granted, you know, and there is a plot, but they're getting into it at their own pace. They're, they're, they're it's flowing naturally. And if you try to press it too much, you wouldn't have moments, uh, you know, sessions like last night where it's something completely unexpected that nobody, including the DM, anticipated. And you're just making up as you go and everybody's laughing and having fun. So anyway, in the morning they go back, you know, now they were going to just leave in the morning and and, and leave Garlsbad behind. But now, uh, well, actually, they just actually, that is what they decided to do. Sorry, they, they thought about meeting up with Garlsbad to go to the, uh, I may have just miss, misspoken a minute ago. They, they, their first idea is just to leave girls bad behind. So they're just going to leave in the morning, but all of a sudden he comes running out in a little, you know, night shirt saying, Oh wait, little man, little man, tiny man, tiny bearded man. Y'all wait, wait, wait for me. You know, and he, he's, you know, covered in bite marks all over his face and he's still you know and he's obviously his 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 pants are soiled he's got kind of vomit coming down the front of him it's like oh it was a horrible night i barely slept but i'm i'm so glad i saw y'all through the window i look like y'all were thinking of leaving i can't believe that but anyway you know come in so this is where the party really decides okay well maybe we can take him with him you know run the con on him take him with us to prowl for his keep where they were going to bury Ariel and, uh, and find another way to, you know, to get more money out of them. So they go in and, you know, uh, Garlsbad is like, Oh, um, you know, I have no, uh, I, I must've lost my pouch in the night. I, I don't know. Have you seen it? Uh, 
tiny man talking to the dwarf and you know puck's like no and it's like oh well i don't even have enough money to pay for my my room and board and <clears throat> so the magic user lanix pities him and pays for the room meanwhile uh um uh, cass the fighter goes to the uh barkeep and she's like i'd like to buy three mutton pies please and it's like uh ma'am i'm sorry but you know that the you know, they're not fit for consumption, ma'am. They, they, they're mostly fat and gristle. You know, they're all fat and gristle. <laughs> they're barely even cooked, ma'am. They're, they're, they're practically raw. You know, even the the barkeep doesn't have the heart to sell her a mutton pie. But she insists and buys one anyway. And then she goes to Carlsbad and tells him she has some of the fat from one of the mutton pies and tells him it's a, it's a, a healing bomb for all the bite marks, you know, the bug bites all over his face and starts just rubbing some of the mutton grease into, <laughs> into his cheeks and puts a little like cross on his forehead. Cause it's, he's like, girl's about like, Oh, it's burning. It's burning. Does the burning mean it's working? Oh. Um, and so she puts a little cross on his head, like the exorcist or something. And meanwhile, he's, you know, sick again and everything. And, so we're all laughing and it's just a, you know, gross out, gross out humor, obviously, but, but quite, quite amusing. So they take Garlsbad with them up to Paul Free's keep. And as they arrive, um, um, Garlsbad is talking to Father Marcos and saying, oh, I'm, does it, it was first, he's like, does anyone have a mirror? And, and, uh, and, uh, Puck has a mirror and gives it to him and he looks at himself and goes, ah, you know, scared by his own image because he's just, you know, completely disheveled bug bites all over his face. And also just, a almost like a burning allergic reaction to where Cass has rubbed the mutton fat on his face. He's stains all, all over him. He's like, oh, I can't talk to Lord Palfrey like this. Father Marcos, you have to help me. You can be my voice. You can help. And uh, I'll try to find some way to get cleaned up. So Father Marcos kind of agrees to this. And uh, meanwhile, as they arrive, Garlsbad uh, kind of splits off and goes with some servants who say, you know, that he's not you know, fit to enter the keep, that they're going to help him get cleaned up or whatever. So that they separate from him and go in to talk to Lord Palfrey. So before long, Lord Palfrey comes out, and Lord Palfrey is a much more sober man, more serious, um, and they talk a little bit about um, having a burial for Ariel, which uh, he's completely on board with. Um, they talk about the recent events um, in the caverns where they encountered the orcs, you know, and what happened and everything. And uh, Paul Free talks a little bit about the preparations that have been made around the two little towns of trying to raise a militia and the difficulty in doing that because all the people are scared. Uh, you know, by now word has gotten out of, you know, first of all, everyone that ever goes to try to help the adventurers practically comes back dead or comes back having been tortured for months. So the party has had a very rough time being able to have any kind of henchmen or or anything like that lately it's because it's kind of signing your your death warrant and um so lord palfrey does help them uh with uh, a few mundane gear items uh, he did have a couple of, like you know long bows that i'll let the strength bonuses be added onto for the for the fighters and, and some other mundane gear like that 
And um, Lord Palfrey then mentioned, uh, well, Palfrey mentions that um, he, based on the threat of the orcs, he's going to insist that uh, four of his um, militiamen, his guard, accompany the uh, the players. So they do manage to 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 muster out some some henchmen from him, um, and uh, so they'll they'll have some some extra henchmen when they when they return to the orc caves. But uh, Palfrey also mentions, oh, I've just gotten word from from my my servants downstairs that. Uh, that there's some some wild simpleton, some some uh, person that's not in their right mind, uh, thinking he's a merchant, uh, but he's obviously uh, some town fool that's just wandered here. Uh, he's covered head to toe in, in vomit and excrement, and uh, he looks like he was got into some kind of bug's nest or something. Uh, Y'all didn't see him when you were out there, right? And the party's immediately like, uh, no, we've never seen this person in our lives. And uh, so... Palfrey's like, well, the only thing, uh, the, the the charitable thing, I think we'll have him sent over to Verba Bank, where they actually have barbers and doctors that can deal with this kind of madness. And uh, I'm afraid he's uh, going to be a, a harm to himself and others. And so maybe they have some, uh, they have some institutions there that can help with this kind of thing, because he's obviously not in his right mind and and uh, delusional. And so, poor Garlsbad, the, 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 uh, just been struck with so many misfortunes. <laughs> just the random merchant I rolled Garlsbad is now going to be taken to Verba Bank and basically put in the nut house, uh, or, or, or worse. Um, because it can't be, you know, no one would believe that he's actually a merchant. So the party, of course, just allows this to happen, um. And, uh, because he really was just an absolute rude, you know, he treated Lannox horribly and certainly Puck has no problem with it. Um, so, uh, the next morning the, the party has a burial, um, for Ariel and, and say a few words and, and it's a, you know, a solemn affair. The, uh, um, Ariel was a good character. She didn't last long, but, uh, those illusionists, those first edition illusionists can pack quite a punch. Um, she more than once had, uh, saved the, the party with some, some of those awesome, uh, illusionist spells and, uh, really an underrated class. One that, uh, I guess, cause you don't really see them in every edition and everything. It's just one you don't, it's kind of like the assassin in a way like that, you know, um, seeing one in action is, is really good. Uh, but she just, you know, I didn't, I didn't, so, you know, pick Ariel out to get stomped by the cave lizard. I rolled randomly to see who it would attack and it just happened to be her. So anyway, after the party gets done with the, with the funeral and everything, they're getting ready to go and they see a, uh, a, a carriage taking off and they see that it's Garlsbad being taken off to like the Verba Bonk nut house and, Ver and his face is pressed up against the window looking at them the grim realization of what's happening kind of coming on his face and they can just see him mouthing tiny man tiny man tiny bearded man help and uh so you know like kind of like the final insult as they see him uh being taken off to to Verba Bonk, and that was the end of Garlsbad the Merchant. 
Maybe there's some way I can bring Girls Bad back way later in the campaign. I don't know. Uh, I'd love to bring Girls Bad back somehow, but I, I don't see how it's going to happen naturally. But I don't think he has the wits or wherewithal to become some kind of supervillain. But you never know. We'll see. Um, he's definitely one of my favorite improv completely improv uh, NPCs I've ever had, and it just made for such a funny session. Uh, um. I think for, you know, not for just for me, but for the players and added a lot of humor to it. And so anyway, at the end of the funeral, uh, Cass has got like a cruel streak in her. So she's got like a little flute of, of the, the mutton, um, pie fat and, and offers it to someone next to her. She goes, I'm going to offer them some of them, you know, and I'm thinking what Cass is wanting to poison people or something. So I would just make the, uh, but I just decide that the person she offers to, who, you know, is is this thirteen year old girl standing next to her? She's like, "Oh, um, I'm sorry, Miss. I I couldn't do that." And so Cass immediately feels bad because she's basically offering it to the thirteen year old girl, and I have the little girl go, "I want to be just like you when I grow up, Miss Cass, just like you." Actually, I think I will try a sip of that. And she's like, no, 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 you can't have any. It's, this is an adult drink, an adult drink. And it's like, oh, well, um, like I say, I want to be just like you. I really respect you. You're sure I can't have a drink? And she's like, no, no, no. So, I don't know. That was just kind of a funny aside that happened. She's got those mutton pies basically burning a hole in her pocket. So I don't know what Cass has got planned with all that fat and gristle. But, uh, I'm sure she'll find some use for it. <laughs> it's basically like a potent poison, you know, uh, the food from that tavern. So anyway, the, the session ended with the, the party, uh, kind of planning out what their next move is. They've got four henchmen, uh, their, all of their horses were left at, uh, Kuiper's farm, which is, you know, some 30 miles probably away from where they're at. So Paul Free agrees to give them a couple of horses, a couple of horses for the car- uh, for a cart, and uh, that's where he left it. So we had just a fun, like I say, complete 180 from last week. Last week was huge set piece encounters. It took a long time, but we're you know just epic, epic battle, strategy and tactics and all that. This was just fun imp- improvisation and uh, a little bit of silliness, but also moving the story forward and everything. So. Anyway, that's what I've got for y'all today. It was great. Had a lot of t- a lot of fun with it. Um, it's just so fun sometimes to see where a random roll takes you. Like I said, don't rush. Not be in any rush. Be patient. Just embrace the moment. Stay in the moment instead of thinking ahead. That's great ad- advice. Just I find for my own just life as well. Because stuff never goes exactly like you plan it. So I'm not saying to not plan for the future. Certainly don't. I'm not saying just live for today, you know, um, or or anything like that, but as much as possible being present, staying in the moment, um, you know, it's kind of like if you're not listening to somebody, you're not really communicating. If you're thinking about what you're saying next, you're not listening to what they have to say. GMing has a lot of that too. And so if you, if you're in a rush to get somewhere or make something happen, you're, you're going to miss out on a lot of those special moments that can happen if you just let it come to you and roll with it. But anyway, I sure appreciate people listening. I hope y'all have lots of awesome gaming. Uh, I've had some good gaming this weekend or have more coming up. Um, So thank you very much for listening. Uh, If you have a message for me, you can use the Anchor Voice message system. Um, 
and uh, put you on the show. Or you can email me, frothsoft, frothsof at gmail.com. You can also use the uh, contact form on the Thought Eater blog. Thought Eater blog is frothsoft, frothsof, dnd.blogspot.com. Um, always want to give a shout to the folks backing me on Patreon. Really appreciate y'all backing me up. I'm going to keep bringing y'all as much content as I humanly can uh, because I really love doing it. So thank you for, for backing me up at patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It's only a dollar a month. And I think that's what I've got for y'all. Uh, next you'll hear from me is top three Tuesday. Got some cool ideas, uh, call-ins from, from folks. So looking forward to that. Logan, take us home. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind Boom, 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 boom.